0: Chapter number
1: twelve, and uh, yes, we are still looking um, at the life of David to a certain degree, and we're backing up just a little bit from where we've been, and uh, we've got hung up over there in Second Samuel uh, chapter thirteen and fourteen for a while on dealing with Amnon and Absalom. I cannot tell you for sure that I'll be done on that, and Adonijah, of course, when you get over into First Kings chapter number one, but I want to back up a little bit. In the earlier days of of David, of course, been preaching on these thoughts with, with the life of David. We looked at his adolescent years and his adult years, and we really hadn't even got to his ancient years yet. But we will, uh, if the Lord permits. Man, it's it's a, such a rich study. You go into the Old Testament accounts, of course, the Book of Samuel, First Samuel, Second Samuel, and and of course a little bit of First Kings, and then of course First Chronicles lays out. Some things about King David, and I hope it's been a help. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. but I remember some time ago, and I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was,' it's been several years, um, I went through the, the mighty men of David. and boy David had some mighty men. And a lot of folks may look, so well, there's a lot of mighty men and women back in the, in the Bible days, list they' still have some mighty men and women. I just spoke about one a moment ago, and uh, God still got some mighty men and some mighty women, some great oaks, if you will. Uh, amongst the forest in this world, and I appreciate God's goodness uh, allowing me to be a part of a lot of those individuals' lives. But tonight, First Chronicles chapter number 12, basically the context of this is, is this is back when Saul is after David. Now the Spirit of the Lord has departed from Saul, and it's moved over here on to David. David's already been anointed uh, in his father Jesse's house at this particular time, and what we're going to pick up reading basically is here is, is David. He's down there close to the land of the Philistines there in that cave of Adullam, we do believe. And as you study your Bible, we know Israel was, uh, was given Saul as king because they, they desired, they want to be like all the other nations around. Lord, give us a king, give us a king. Well, God gave them what they asked for. And boy, that's one of God's biggest judgments He is, it's one God, why God gives us what we want. I might even preach the message on that one time about... Uh, they got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. Boy, that's a dangerous place to be. But they asked for a king. God gave them one. But God had chose his king, David, which is a man after God's own heart. And we see that. And Saul was rejected as being king because of his partial obedience. And we can read the text, go back to 1 Samuel chapter 15. You can pick up reading um, with that. But basically, uh, Saul ha- has has got jealousy on his heart because he's seen David prosper. And he feels that David is a threat to the throne. He was a threat because God had placed him... Uh, in that position, although it wouldn't realized yet, he wasn't in the position of king, but he was heading that direction, and Saul, trying his best to fight against the will of God and to protect his throne, went after David, and David showed no ill intent towards Saul. Numerous times he had the opportunity to kill King Saul, and David's response was always, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Boy, and that's the thing too, boy, you don't want to touch the Lord's anointed. But as you look at this, a The king of the Philistines has gave David Ziklag to dwell in along with his 600 men with their wives and their children. You can go back and you can read the context that I preached on some of that, 1 Samuel chapter number 27. But before David arrived in that place called Ziklag, he spent some time in the cave of Adullam, about 10 miles from the city of Gath. That's where the core of these mighty men we're going to preach about tonight with the help of the Lord came to David. And we pick up reading here in 1 Chronicles, chapter number 12. And just forgive me for not reading the whole chapter. There's a lot of names in here I'm trying to dodge for a reason. <laughs> I don't really want to pronounce them tonight. I encourage you to go back. Listen, the genealogy is important. I just don't, I'm not going to read them tonight. I'm just going to pick up a few verses. Notice in chapter number 12 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Now these are they that came to David, to Ziklag, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. Verse number 2 said, They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left, in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even as Saul's brethren of Benjamin. Now drop down, look with me in verse number 8. "...and of the Gadites there separated themselves unto David into the hold to the wilderness men of might." And men of war fit for the battle that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as a rose upon the mountains. Now verse number 8 lets us know that these men have came to David while he's in that hold in the wilderness. That is the cave of Adullam that is mentioned that we we'll, may read some more about in 1 Samuel chapter number 22. But now drop down to verse number 18 of 1 Chronicles 12. Then the Spirit came upon Amasaii, who was chief of the captains, and he said, Thine are we, David, and on thy side, thou son of Jesse. Peace, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thine helpers, for thy God helpeth thee. Then David received them and made them captains of the band. And there fell some of Manasseh to David, when he came with the Philistines against Saul to battle. But they helped them not, for the lords of the Philistines upon advisement sent him away, saying, he will fall to his master Saul to the jeopardy of our heads. As he went to Ziklag, there fell to him of Manasseh, Adna, and Josabat, and Jediel and Michael, and Josabat, and Elihu, and Zilthai, captains of the thousands that were of Manasseh. And they helped David against the band of the rovers, for they were almighty men of valor and were captains in the host. For at that time, day by day, There came to David to help him until it was a great host like the host of God. And these are the numbers of the bands that were ready armed to the war and came to David to Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. The children of Judah that bear shield and spear were 6,800 ready armed to the war. Now drop down to verse 32. Verse 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, with all instruments of war, fifty thousand, which could keep rank, they were not of double heart. And of Naphtali, a thousand captains, and with them was shield and spear thirty and seven thousand. And of the Danites, expert in war, twenty and eight thousand and six hundred. And of Asher, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, forty thousand. And on the other side of Jordan, of the Reubenites and the Gadites and of the half-tribe of Manasseh were all manner of instruments of war for the battle, and hundred and twenty thousand. All these men of war that could keep rank, cut or came with a perfect heart to Hebron, to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest also of Israel were one heart to make David king. Now let's pray. Father... So bow God again tonight Lord So thank you that we do know a man that can I'm glad you still can You can still do the impossible Lord You can still do the incredible And we praise your holy name for that tonight I thank you for the good word of God Now Lord as we look at this text tonight Out of 1 Chronicles chapter number 12 And 1 Samuel 22 God I pray that you give us illumination On the on the subject tonight We're looking at these mighty men I pray that you'd help us to glean some things To apply some things to our heart and our life Lord you're still looking for some mighty men and women Lord to serve you. Father, I pray that you'd challenge hearts tonight above all. If there's one lost. I pray that you'd save them by your grace. Lord, help us to stay focused, Lord, on what you want us to do. Use us for your honor, your glory. Help me to decrease, Lord. I, I confess publicly, I already have privately, but Lord, I, I confess publicly that I'm nothing. Lord, you're everything. I pray that you'd meet every need. Have the preeminence now, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for we ask it all. In Jesus' name, and all God's people see it. Amen. Well, we've read this text out of First Chronicles chapter. Uh, number twelve, And I know I read a little bit of a lengthy text, and I didn't get into some of the names, and I encourage you to go back. Of course, 1 Chronicles being one of the historical books of the Bible, and it defines and lays out some things about King David that, that's not mentioned in other places. Well, when you think about this text, and I didn't have this mark, but I'm going to 1 Samuel 22, and then I'm diving right back over here because I want you to listen to this. It sort of goes along with the same idea as what we're preaching here tonight, but in 1 Samuel 22 and verse number 1, the Bible said, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Now, later on, you'll find that there were 600 that were identified. But, boy, you're talking about a preacher's dream outlined there in that second verse of 1 Samuel 22. There's three Ds. Those that were in debt, those that were distressed, and those that were discontented that's who David brought in David was like a magnet that drew those we would call them misfits today if if we could put it that way, I preached a message one time from misfits to mighty men, that's what these men were some were in debt, some were distressed some were discontented but they were drawn unto David and they were drawn away from Saul, why is that? Well Saul had lost the anointing, David had got the anointing and he'd got the appointment and people recognized that and they realized that he was a man after God's own heart he was the one that God had, had placed was going to be king over Israel and these men that came they were misfits to the world they were in debt, they were distressed or they were discontented yet they had a place boy by way of application it's sort of sort of like when, before you and I get saved there ain't no way that, that we can make any exemptions right here basically we were misfits before we got saved <laughs> We were, really? We wasn't really accomplishing a whole lot. You might say, "Well, wait a minute, preacher, you know, I had a good job." This you wouldn't do anything for God. Prayer to salvation. Basically, we were misfits. But I'm glad God, you're drew to the King, the Anointed One, the Chosen. That's what Messiah is, by the way. The Chosen of God. That's what Jesus was, Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. We're drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ by the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said, Romans 10, verse number 17: Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You hear that message, you're drawn to. Christ thank God we come as misfits and thank God once we leave from that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ he can turn us from misfits into mighty men and mighty women for his service and we see that unfolding here in the life of King David although he's not king to most folks people have realized this the ones that have came to him at the cave in a and that's interesting six times you'll find in this passage that I read tonight Out of 1 Chronicles chapter number 12, six times you'll see the word mighty. You say, well, where are they, preacher? Notice with me. Look in verse 1. Now these are they that came to David and Ziklag, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the son of Kish, and they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. That's the first time you see mighty in this chapter. Look at verse number 4. And Ishmaiah the Gibeonite, a Mighty man among the 30 and over the 30. So there's the second time it's mentioned. Then look in verse 21. The Bible said, and they. Help David against the band of the rovers, for they were all mighty men of valor, and were captains in their hosts. That's the third time it's mentioned. Then look at verse number 25 of the children of Simeon, mighty men of valor for the war, seven thousand and one hundred. That's the fourth time. Then look at verse 28. And Zadok, a young man, mighty of valor, and of his father's house, 20 and two captains. Then look at verse number 30. You'll find this sixth time that is found in this chapter alone, and of the children. Of Ephraim, twenty thousand and eight hundred mighty men of valor, famous throughout the house of their fathers. So I guess you could call this chapter the mighty chapter of the Bible. Six times they basically begin to lay out some things. And God, if God didn't want us to get or to glean some things from this, He'd have left this out. He begins to describe some of these folks, and six six times the word mighty is used. Again, if I could preach today, I'd just simply be the mighty men of David. There's some great parallels and some applications. I want to be a mighty man for God. I hope you want to be a mighty man for God or a mighty lady, a mighty woman for God. And you can be, and I can be. It's up to us. It was up to these men. And it'll be up to you to do something for God. And by the way, whatever you're going to do for God, you might as well go ahead and do it. Because we sure ain't promised tomorrow. Well, I of these days, preacher. I will. No, you better go ahead, because this thing's winding down the the clock on God's calendar. And I think about several things here, uh, and sort of like this again. God God calls us misfits to begin with. And again, we're dead and trespassing. Then we get saved. He can turn us into mighty men and women and plug us in to a local assembly somewhere to serve Him to the best of our ability. And I think about this when. Uh, You think about what God uses, and I've preached along these lines, too. I mean, can can God use imperfect people? Absolutely, that's all He's got to work with. Can God use people that are messed up? That's all He's got to work with. (laughs) I hate to burst your bubble. We're all messed up. We're all imperfect. We've all got impurities and, and issues, but thank God, God can work through you and I. And He sure does, and that's what He's doing right here in this day. Think about this, 1 Corinthians 1. Verse number 27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Now why does God use weak things? Why does He use base things? So God can get the glory. They don't look and say, man, look at what David did. No, they say, look at what God did. (laughs) And that's the thing. Why in the world didn't God send, send Saul down? Why didn't Saul go down and face Goliath? Well, if Saul had went down and got Goliath and healed Goliath, Saul would have got the glory. Now, Saul was scared. He stood head and shoulders over everybody in Israel according to the Word of God. And old Gath was a giant, but he took a little shepherd boy, a little ruddy fellow, a little teenager, Nobody put a lot of stock in him, man. They said, surely he's going to fall. But when they seen him conquer the giant, man, it raised some eyebrows. And listen, it sent glory and honor to the God of heaven. Because God chose the foolish things and the weak things and the base things to confound the things which are mighty. Then he goes on to say that no flesh should glory In His presence. we got to guard against that. It don't matter if you're in a T, whatever position you're in, whatever you do, whether you preach or whether your sons go to. It makes no difference at all. We should never glory in this flesh. only thing we can glory about is in Him. All we can do. That's it. I have nothing to glory of. Man, all I can boast in is in Jesus. When I think about this, there's several things. God takes us as misfits and makes us mighty men and women for His service in the church. He can do that. That's His desires. But how did these misfits right here in this text that were in debt, that were distressed, and were discontented, we would call them misfits. How did they go from misfits unto mighty men? I believe there's some answers here in the Word of God. They overcame some things. What did they overcome? Preacher, well... They overcome some great obstacles. Well, what did they overcome? Notice in our text in verse 2. They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even Saul's brethren of Benjamin. Now, we know Saul was a Benjamite. Now, some of these Benjamites have come unto David. You know what they overcome? They had to overcome some family obstacles sure did you can go back I think it and it might be chapter number 22 and I may be wrong on that about verse number seven eight or nine where basically Saul is is trying to bribe them he said man I'm gonna give you vine, vineyards and I'll give you some land I I'm gonna take David's not gonna do that and I'm paraphrasing that's basically what Saul said so he's padding their, their ears, wanting to in their pockets. And some of them still had to jump over that family relationship because they were of the tribe Benjamin as well. But they defected from, from Saul to the anointed one, King David. So they had to overcome some great obstacles, one of them being family obstacles. You don't have many. And listen, we, most of us don't understand this. There's folks in other parts of the world. I'm talking about in Muslim nations and and Buddhist nations where they will kill you. They will kill you as you present the gospel. You mention Christ. And those individuals that go in and somehow or another they get the word of God to them. And they get saved by the marvelous. Some of them are, by the way. get saved by the grace of God. You know what? If their family don't kill them, they have nothing else to do with them. But you know what they have to do? They have to overcome great. We can't fathom that. And we can't understand that over here. But they had to overcome great obstacles family with a Benjamin because Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Not only that, they had to overcome some great obstacles socially. We've already looked at that in 1 Samuel chapter number 22. And in verse number 2, some were in distress. Some were in debt. Some were discontented. Again, socially. These folks were outcasts. They had to overcome that stereotype that had been placed upon them. that socially, people looked at us, oh, yeah, they're in debt. Yeah, they're distressed. Yeah, they're discontinued. Yet there was a place. Oh, listen now. There was a place for them in the kingdom of Israel. I'm telling you tonight, the social, you may have to overcome some obstacles in your family. You may have to over, uh, overcome some obstacles. Socially, it, matter, it doesn't really matter what people think about you. You can still serve. God, but it's up to us to overcome those obstacles. They went from misfits to mighty men, but they had to overcome the obstacles of their family, being Benjamites, some of them. And they also had to overcome that obstacle of that socially what they were thought about. Think about this. They also had to, there's something else here. They, they originated from different backgrounds. All of them did. Notice in your Bible, and I'm just going to jot these, you can jot these down as you go through. Drop on down some of these I didn't read, but think about the different tribes. Now, how these guys come turn up from or, or go from misfits to mighty men? They all didn't come from the Benjamites. They all didn't come from the tribe of Judah or Zebulun or the Reubenites or the Gadites. Well, where or the Asher? Where did they come from? Well, the Bible tells us they all came from different backgrounds. You see, in Benjamin, there were some that were in that were some in debt. Some were distressed, some were that were discontented. You go over to the land of Judah, there were some that were in debt. There were some distressed, some in discontented. You go to the tribe of Asher, to the tribe of Manasseh. Some were there that, that, that were in debt, that were distressed, that were discontented. They come from all over. But they came to King David. They originated from different backgrounds. Now I'm going somewhere with that, but in verse 24, you'll see that some came from the children of Judah. Verse 25, some came from... The children of Simeon. Verse 26. Some came from the tribe of Levi. Verse 27. From the children of Benjamin. Verse uh, 30. The children of Ephraim. Verse 31. The tri- half-tribe of Manasseh. Verse 32. The children of Issachar. Verse number 33. Of Zebulun. Verse 34. The chif- children of Naphtali. Verse 35. Of the Danites. That's the tribe of Dan. And then of Asher. In verse number 36. Now. Preacher, how does that apply to me? Now, see, you and I, when, how did this crowd get from misfits to mighty men? They had to overcome some great obstacles. You may have to overcome some great obstacles like they did, maybe in your own family or maybe socially. But understand this, they, this crowd came from different backgrounds. Every one of us came from different backgrounds to a certain degree. Unless you got, you was raised in the same house. Hey, man, we come from different backgrounds. But understand we... We all get saved the same way through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. But God will pluck Brother Harold up over here and use him in an area. He grew up in a different generation than I did then I grow up and God wants to use me and every one of us in here and we come from different backgrounds boy I'm glad God didn't just say you know what I'm going to put a big mold right here and I'm going to cut it out and this is the only type of person I'm going to use boy I'm glad God don't do that you know how boring that'd be if all of us was the same oh, I'd be and listen it may be more joyous it may be more doom and gloom if more folks were a certain way but God didn't make us all the same thank God he made us all different I'm glad for that little verse over there, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't no matter your background, your nationality, your race, whatever your financial standing is, wherever your social status is in, in, in society. God wants to use us, and he'll use. Just, it's the same way. Who does God save? He saves whosoever will. Who's he let serve? Whosoever will. We all come from different backgrounds, and this crowd did. So you see, they overcome. How do they go from mighty men to, or how do they go from misfits to mighty men? I mean, we see them, man, they're, they're, they're in debt. They're discontented. They're, here they are. They, they've got these problems. And yet, we see God using them. And they had to overcome these obstacles with their family, overcome them with certainly socially. But then they originated from different backgrounds. But think about this third part. All of them owned the same desire. All of them. Owned the same desire. Well, what was their desire? I don't even know what I did with my glasses. Anybody know what I did with? Oh, praise the Lord. That's good. I can see now. Think about this. They owned the same desire. Look with me in verse number 17. We'd have been in trouble if I'm trying to read some of that. I can't see. Verse number 17. Watch this now. And David went out to meet them. And answered and said unto them, "If ye become peaceably unto me to help me, mine heart shall be knit unto you. but if ye become to betray me to mine enemies, to be mine enemies, Betray me to mine enemies, seeing there is no wrong in mine hands. The God of our fathers looked thereon and rebuked it. Now keep in mind, Saul is after him. David has to be really, really careful. People he lets in to the fold, man, because he thinks somebody's going to come in and try to assassinate him because they see him posing as a threat to Saul's throne. So that's what he's saying. But look at verse eighteen. Then the spirit came upon Amasai, who was chief of the captains, and he said, "Thine are we, David." And on thy side, thou are, thou son of Jesse, peace. Peace be unto thee, and peace be to thine helpers, for thy God helpeth thee. Then David received them and made them captains of the band. And notice what Amasai said. Under the, the Spirit of God came upon him, who was chief of the captains, and he said, Thine are we. Now Amasai, he didn't say, Thine are, thy. well, that would be bad grammar. "Thy are I, that wouldn't be good. He said, Thine are we. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the whole crowd. They all had, basically they owned the same desire to be with David. No, it, it puts it better in verse 38. Look at verse 38. All these, all of them, all in the Hebrew means the same as all in the Greek. It means everybody. All these men of war that could keep rank came, watch this with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel how in the world did they go from misfits to be distressed and and in debt and discontented they had to overcome great obstacles within their own family Saul was a Benjamin, and they had to come through that obstacle socially people looked at them yeah you're in debt you're distressed you're discontented. they had to overcome that as misfits to become mighty men they all came from different backgrounds and they couldn't say well well, you know, I had a hard, my parents had a hard time. 20 and 30 years. Thank God somebody can break that cycle, man. I'm telling you, we're living a culture today of, inher- listen, the, the entitlement. Well, I want to be entitled because 50 years ago, such such happened to my family. Hey, man, you're just going to have to get over that. It ain't none of our fault, man. Y'all just, just buckle up your bootstraps and go home for God. Quit living in that. Quit wallowing in it and move forward. Somebody needs to break that cycle. But here, this crowd, from different backgrounds, they owned the same desire. They had a perfect heart to be joined unto the Lord. Now we're talking about how did they become mighty men? How am I going to become a mighty man? I think some of these same principles are going. Apply. We're going to have to overcome some obstacles. Now we may be we may not even hit on some obstacles that you're facing. But it's something you're going to have to overcome to be mighty for the Lord Jesus Christ. There, you, you can't go back. You come from different backgrounds. All of us are different. We've got different temperaments. we got different attitudes. <laughs> We've got, we got a lot of different things. But understand, we come from different backgrounds. We, we should own the same desire as to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's how we become mighty men and mighty women for the Lord. But notice this. They offer their talents and their abilities to the king. You say, hey, no, well, look with me. In verse number 2, we'll read it again. They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left. There's that ambidextrous I remember the first time I heard the word ambidextrous I thought man what in the world is ambidextrous it'd be a whole lot easier if it just said, well that just simply means that you can use either your left hand or your right hand man for me that makes a whole lot more sense than ambidextrous but here this crowd they could use either hand according to the word of God and they would use this this is the offensive weapons what would they do Hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow. Even Saul's brethren of Benjamin. They offered their talents. Whether they were left-handed. Whether they were right-handed. To hurl stones and to shoot arrows. They offered their talents and their abilities unto the Lord. Every one of them was different. Every one of us is different as well. Yet God wants us to offer our talents. And it's all His, by the way, anyways. You know, God's interested in my time. My talent and my treasure. He's interested in your time, your talent and your treasure. But think about this, Doc. We see the office, but God also had, had this crowd had some defense. And they offered this look at verse number eight. And the Gadites, of course, that's of the tribe of Gad. And the Gadites, they're separated themselves into David, into the hold, to the wilderness. Watch this men of might and men of war fit. For the battle that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as a rose upon the mountains, notice the shield and the buckler that was a defensive weapon that they had so verse two, you got this crowd that the left-handed, right-handed, don't matter. They can hurl stones and they can shoot bows and they can shoot arrows. God uses them as, as offensive weapons and to become mighty men. And then he uses some folks on the defense here of the Gadites so with the shield and with the buckler to defend. You see, God, God needed some folks on offense, Brother Harold. God needed some folks on defense. David needed some folks on offense. He needed them on defense. And here this crowd, they just used what God had blessed them with and said, King, here I am. Oh, by the way, that's what the Lord Jesus wants me and you to do, whatever we got. King Jesus, here it is. Well, the left-handed, right-handed, you want offense, you want defense. Lord, it's your life. You saved me. You bought me with a price. I'm not my own. God, I don't just give you some of it. I will give you just a little bit of Lord I surrender not some Not part but Lord I surrender it would be amazed what God could do with me And what God could do with you If we just did that Offered all of our talents and abilities to the Lord Notice we ain't done Look at the strategy that was given Look at verse 32 And of the children of Issachar Which were men that had understanding of the times To know what Israel ought to do They were the thinkers Now they might not have been able to throw a stone with their left hand. They might not have been able to shoot a bow with their right hand. They might not have been skilled in war as the Gattites on the defense with a shield and with a buckler. But yet they were men of understanding that knew what to do. That was a strategy. You see, all of these men were important. And stay with me now. All of these men were important. Now, there's some folks that, that may feel like, well, I'm too young or maybe I'm too old. Well, I don't know who told you that. It must have been the devil. Because God wants to use us all. Now, I can tell you with a 200% guarantee, God still has a purpose for your life. So, how can you be so sure? Because you're still hearing me. <laughs> He wants something out of you. He wants something out of me that will bring honor and glory to the Lord. Well, you say, well, preacher, I can't fold my left hand. I can't fold with Mariah. Right I can't use a shield. I can't use a buckler." You might say, but I'm not a man or a woman of understanding. I don't know what to do. Well, listen, we still ain't done, but God used this crowd. They went from misfits to mighty men because they presented their abilities and their talents unto the king, and that's what God wants us to do. Notice they were also experts in war. Look at verse Number 33, it's interesting how many times that's even said. Verse 33 of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, with all instruments of war. So here you got some that all, the the basic point and the premise what I'm trying to get you to see right here, and this is an important part of this message. All these crowds went from, from being in debt, being in distress, being discontented, they went from that, to six times the Bible lists him as mighty men. How did they get there? They overcome some obstacles within their own family, man. They overcome some things socially. They might have been looked at. Different. They all come from different backgrounds. We understand they own the same desire. With a perfect heart, they were joined unto the king. That's what God wants from me, what he wants from you. They offered their talents and abilities to the king. Now, I've already said there's not a one of us in here that are the same. Now in first. Corinthians chapter 12 verse 4, the Bible said, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now you see, we're all saved by the same Holy Spirit. That indwells us. But we all have different gifts. Now although the source of those gifts come from the Lord, we're all made different. And it's our responsibility to offer those talents and abilities to the King. First Corinthians 12 12 said, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 27 puts it this way. Now, you're the body of Christ, and members in particular, the best way you can see it. And God gives us a great analogy within our own body. You say, Man, look at your finger, just think about your finger now, or think about your toe or your feet. Think about that little toe. You say, well, That little toe ain't that important. You cut that little toe off, you try to walk. <laughs> yeah. It's important. You saw so it's small, but it, if you cut it off, it'll affect the whole body. If you cut this pinky off, well, you know that. You know, if you're looking at the whole body, that really ain't that big. But you cut one of those fingers off, and the body cannot function like it was intended to function. If you with me, say amen. The same holds true in the local church. All right, you, gotta, you got folks that are town. You got folks that's got the abilities They've got to be able to surrender and submit themselves unto the Lord. God wants to use them. And listen, you, you can't be in and out and up and down and, and over and out. this that, that. God wants to use us. Now listen, God's not in the habit of using unfaithful people. But listen, God wants us to surrender our abilities and our talents unto the Lord. And all of us are important. Just like that little thing you say, man, I, I can't offer much. Well, listen, if you're not pulling your own weight as a pinky, the whole body's going to be impacted. Amen. You might be the hand, you might be one of the fingers, you might be one of the toe, you might be one of the heart, you might be one of the lungs, you might be the ears, you might be the you might be the mouth. If something is not, but see, when everybody pulls together with their talents, all and their abilities, with one heart and one mind to please the Lord Jesus Christ, they come to serve, not to be seen. And listen, they come with that perfect heart. It's amazing what God can do. It's like a well-oiled machine when everybody's pulling, every every all body part-fitting together, working fluently. Man, that's when things can happen around the house of God. Thank God for folks that's got the talents and the abilities that have surrendered their life to the Lord. But understand this last thing. They offered their talents and abilities to the king. That's how they went from misfits to be mighty. But they also operated by rank. By rank. Now look at me in verse 38, and I'm done right here. All these, again, all of them, that's every, every one of them. All these men of war that could keep rank... Came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel, and all the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king. These, this crowd operated by rank. Now that word rank is a military term that denotes submission to authority, organization, and leadership. These men were wholly listen now. These men were wholly committed to the king. What's that mean to me, preacher? We're to be wholly committed unto King Jesus. Amen. They operated by rank. Again, notice all of these men of war. These guys weren't divided. They weren't confused. They weren't unsure. Man, they had confidence in their king. And they followed King David with all of their heart lord god help us to do the same thing for him james 4 verse number 7 said submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee by you sister linda's coming tonight and i think about this often think about this quite often sort to of build upon that last point this crowd operated by rank again it means to submit to authority organization and leadership i found this out a long time ago brother harold People will never be able to lead until they're first able to be led. Doesn't matter what it is. I, I mean, you could be on a peewee baseball team or a little league baseball team or, or in church, at, at work, in an employee setting. You'll never be able to lead until you're first willing to be led. This crowd, evidently, although they had to overcome obstacles socially because they were in debt. They were discreet, They were distressed, they were discontented. They overcome those family obstacles, those social obstacles, what folks thought about. They overcome those backgrounds because all of them originated from different backgrounds, much like we do. All of us come from different places. But here's the good thing. You see, the Chinese man or woman that gets saved, they can join the army of God. That Native American, that, that Indian, that Hispanic, that Korean, that Muslim... That Russian, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, God can use them from different backgrounds. You're all on the same desire. They offered their talents and abilities to the key Man, I couldn't tell you. The people not only in this church, but in churches throughout my life, folks have gave of their, their, their ability and, and their talents, and it made an impact in my life. Now, I wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, but God has had some tools in his tool belt. You know what I'm talking about? People. That he used, that that might have been the finger, it may seem insignificant, but what was significant to me? God, God used them mightily in my life. God wants to use you the same. See, here's what the devil does. See, he'll, he'll make you try to feel like you're insignificant. You can't do anything. Well, can't never could do anything. But Philippians four thirteen said, "I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me." God. Wants... Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at twenty two sixteen Hiddings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry. that has been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat-and-meat service. After our 6 p.m. service we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5:30 p.m. to 6:30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, friend. That's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation; they prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God prophet isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6 all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all you must understand that your good words and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven isaiah 64 and verse 6 says but we are all as an unclean thing all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2 the Bible said therefore by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, In verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house.